those fundraisers, I'm Don Lego. It's time to buckle up for a new episode of Raise Nation Radio, the one and only podcast made to inspire fundraisers like you to continue making impacts in our communities and building better tomorrows and exchanging ideas. So whether you're a trailblazer or seasoned pro, you'll pick up the trends that transform your fundraising. And together, we'll dive into lively conversations and chat with industry-leading fundraisers and thought leaders to explore all of those hot-button issues and innovative ideas. So stay with us for the next 30 minutes. So will we inspire you to embrace the future of fundraising? Well, welcome back, Raise Nation. We are so glad that you're joining us again and tuning in to um, another wonderful episode that I'm super excited about. I'm actually fangirling. Um, but if you are in special events and you are just looking for all the latest tips, tricks, trends, what's hot, what's not, what you should be focusing your energy on, you're going to want to sit back and listen to this episode because we do have the expert with us. And uh, I, it's, it's very true when I say that I'm fangirling. Uh, Samantha Swain, welcome to Rage Nation Radio. How are you today? Wow, thanks, Don. I'm a fangirl here too, so it's going to be fun. <laughs> yeah, well, one from one fangirl to the other. Um, well, actually, you know, from one event planner to, uh, I don't know if that's your exact title uh, to the other, but I'll take it. back in the day, yeah, back in the day, um, my husband and I, um, managed our own very boutique event planning firm. It's a lot of work. Um, you know, it was, it was fun work though. And, um, you know, after each event, you can't wait to get to the next one, but you're only good as your last event was, which was what I always told our team, but it's really contagious and addicting. And I, I suspect that you feel the same way. So I want to just open this episode with two things. The first is a congratulations to you 20 year anniversary thank that you. is amazing happy anniversary thank you so much yeah it's been 20 years with a lot of events in between those 20 years well on that note i know i know our audience must know samantha swain you know just already but do we really so why don't we get cozy with raise nation audience and you and if you can just share whatever you feel comfortable sharing anything personal a little bit about you your background swaim strategies and and your why why do you do this i know that was a mouthful for an introduction but we really want to get to know you so take it away Sure. Well, I believe really strongly in the power of gathering people. That's ultimately at the core of why we do this work. And Swim Strategies is our firm that we've been um, working collectively with nonprofits for the past 20 years on how their gatherings can become more powerful and impactful. I, for early in my career, I was working for the Grammy Awards. I was in TV production. I had a theater background and I ultimately connected to those moments where a stage presentation would move an audience and that audience had an experience together, something that they could really feel a part of, something that they were moved by and inspired by. And as a part of my work with the Grammys, we had a whole division of nonprofits that we supported and also that we ran. So a number of different causes, number of different nonprofits that are offshoots of the Grammys. So when it wasn't award show time, it was fundraising time for all of our social service and social justice work. So I got all my gala experience there and really understood 
the power of building a movement through gathering and then moved into doing social justice work. And as I started to move into that space of providing resource and access to people, I also saw that every social justice movement is founded on the grounds of gathering people, being in community together. And so that just really inspired me to continue to dig deeper into the work. And ultimately what I saw was nonprofit organizations frequently being driven, led, or coached by board members, well-meaning board members, to do what other organizations were doing. So a game of comparisons. And Mm -hmm. an organization in the same community would have a million-dollar gala, and the first thing that the board chair would talk about was they just had a million-dollar gala, they served steak and had roses on the table as centerpieces, we need to do the same thing. Mm -hmm. And suddenly these plans and strategies that development professionals had put in place were thrown out the window. And instead it was stake and roses and striving for million dollar gala that would fall short of goal. And so our effort and our work has been, how do we work as a partner and a thought leader and a strategist in the space with the nonprofit to help their boards feel more connected to the impact, to help them focus their energy and their sort of impact with their planning because any nonprofit consultant will tell you it is not the easiest way to raise money. And we Mm -hmm. wholeheartedly agree with that. So if you're doing an event and there's a lot of great reasons to do event that getting people together, feeling connected to community is valuable. But if you're putting all that work in, we want to make sure it has results. And so that's our work. That's our effort is how do we apply some strategy How do we help you dig through the weeds or take the weeds off your plate for you so that you can be in relationship with donors, that you can be in big conversations with sponsors and with big lead gift supporters. And then you can work collectively with us, with your speakers on what's the story, what's the program, how are we going to move the audience and create a guest experience where people leave there as your evangelists that now are out in the world telling everyone about your work and about your mission. Unfortunately, that often gets thrown out the window because there's so many weeds and details and events. So we're there to help that. We're there to support. Let's, we'll take the weeds. We'll take the details. We'll make sure you have a great event. You focus your energy on relationships so that we can maximize what's possible with this event. Wow. That's a little bit about it. Move your audience. Yeah, you're right. Because when I am at a um, Broadway show or, or or even not, my daughter was in involved in local musical theater, which yeah. they did a wonderful job. And, you know, I'm sure I was moved because she was on stage. But, you know, you know that when you when you have that experience, there's just like a pep to your step and and you just want to be you want it to last forever. So I, I kind of get that deliver an experience that makes them want to be part of your mission forever. And, um, that that's not easy to do though. Right. Samantha, because many times you have people in the audience that have no idea, right. They, their boss bought a table of 10 because they're a corporate sponsor. And they said, here, go to this thing. And, you know, you might have people that, um, 
are just friends with somebody. So, so that's kind of hard to do. You don't necessarily have an audience that's ready for the experience. They just kind of got a ticket and they're there. So how do you overcome some of those challenges? Well, that's our first job, right? We're going to have the audience we need to move the new acquisition. And then we're going to have those who already know our work that we need to inspire to continue to give and move further. So it's all in the storytelling. It, absolutely starts from the beginning of the story and is in that storytelling. What are we saying on stage to our donors and how are we moving them? Unfortunately, I think one of the challenges is that we try to kitchen sink it. We get lots of speakers on the stage. We have, you know, aerialists dropping from the seas, from the ceiling and fire eaters and themes. And sometimes we forget that this is our story. This is the chance that we have to bring people close to our work, our mission, and tell our story. So we have a couple of tools that we apply. We always, always, always want to start some of the some of the program with the mission story. So the mission story for us is a show and tell. We call it two sides of the same coin. It's usually a speaker from the stage that's representing the organization, CEO, board chair, that can speak to the vision, the mission, the work. What are we here to do? And then a video that shows the audience that, because video is this really powerful tool that you can add emotional connection to. You can have lots of voices, you can have music, you can show the work in action, and it's a way to immediately draw people closer. But if we haven't done that legwork first of laying the ground for who we are and what we do and our mission, we're missing our biggest opportunity of an event. Right at the beginning of the event, you're talking, right? Right 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 up front, upfront contract almost. Yeah. We're here to celebrate this work. Let's talk about this work. And then the second thing that we deploy is a really powerful impact story before our fundraising so that we're emotionally connecting people, demonstrating the impact. There's actually some interesting studies that we also pull into this. Um, Simon Sinek's golden circle of why is something that we refer to all the time, because when we speak from why people make decisions from the same place of their brain that processes why. So if you tell me we're a 501c3 nonprofit K through eight education program, you're telling me the what. But if you tell me that you believe all students believe a safe place to thrive and grow, you're telling me your why. And that why is easy to like emotionally connect to, right? There's also some uh, research study that was done in London, theater experience, going back to theater, of people who sit and experience a story together, movie theaters, Broadway shows, your gala, when you experience something together, heartbeats actually sync up. People's heart rhythm sinks. And for those people who already had a relationship to the organization or to the story, their heartbeat continues to stay in sync through intermission, through reception, through the, the post party, that they're essentially is a continuation of that narrative together, the experience. So if you tell a story that people can actually experience your work through that emotional connective story, you're more likely to actually walk out the door, remembering that story, telling that story. We as humans are so hardwired to learn through narrative that I couldn't necessarily walk out the door and tell folks what the mission of, we were just before we, 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 Before we recorded, we were just talking about your daughter has a nonprofit. 
your daughter's passion and connection to her mission, I probably couldn't tell this audience word for word what your mission is. But what I can tell is that your daughter early on saw injustice for folks who are in the world with challenges or disabilities and wanted to fund people getting access and resource right away. That's something that I can remember and tell other people that there is this foundation that is doing incredible work and getting people direct access and resource. Go look them up, check them out. Yeah. Getting the mission right, but more importantly, getting the message right so that it's in digestible on, you know, term so that you can understand it so that you can take it with you. You can carry it. If you tell me what your programs are, I'm never going to remember it. If you tell me you have five different programs, let's walk through each one. I'm never going to remember it. But if you don't give me some information about why you do what you do and what it is you do, I walk out of there going, I don't know what I was being asked to support. I have Mm -hmm. a story I tell all the time about an organization that I've attended their gala twice, just as a guest, a friend invited me. And I know that they do something with art. I, I don't know if it's art therapy. I don't know if it's like education. I'm not sure what they do. Um, but after going twice, I still don't know what they do. Mm. And so you have to have some roots in that foundation story of mission first, that show and tell, let's show our work and speak to our vision. And then you have to have that connective impact story that, you know, if this is, let's say, for example, that we're a K through eight school and we have an alumni who comes back and tells their story about the, you know, being a student at the school gave me the runway to now be in college doing this thing that I've always dreamed about. That type of story is something that I'm going to go tell you about Travis's story about going to this school. And I'll remember that it'll stick with me. So that storytelling is by far at the center of relationship, getting people in the room, story, leaving people with something to walk away with. Those are the two like big focus areas for any event. Are you telling your story and are you getting folks there to participate and be a part of the program? And with so much that has to go on with an event or a gala, and there really is, oh my goodness, you know, the the stage presentation, the live, the silent, the opportunity, the photo, the opportunity drawings, photo ops, the catering, the entertainment, the decor, the invite, the pre-event, the, oh my gosh, it, 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 it's easy to get into the weeds, which thank goodness for saying strategies to handle some of that, but it's also easy to lose sight of the story. You think that you're telling the story, but is your message memorable and going to carry with that audience forever and ever? Um, Which is what I heard you say. So now I'm going to ask how hard because I, I think Raise Nation Radio is like me right now. You started to talk and I perked up. I leaned in. I'm I'm at the edge of my seat. Okay, what's Samantha going to say, right? You said, this is the first thing that we do. I'm like ready to take notes. But now I have to ask you, how easy or hard is it to, to do? And what advice do you have not to nonprofits? Because I think we understand that storytelling for nonprofits is the golden ticket. It's what you need to be doing. And I think we all think we're telling stories well, but maybe we're not. How, how do you help your clients? What, how difficult or 
easy is it to do? And what should they be thinking about if you don't mind sharing some tips for our audience? Yeah. So there's a couple of um, sort of key areas where I would focus time and energy. Um, All of those details, all of the little pieces, there are two resources I would lean on for that. One is vendor partners, hiring people who are experts in what they do. So the catering, for example, we work with a million events at a million different caterers. And I lean on the caterer to tell me, what are you best at? What do Mm -hmm. people love the most? What is something that fits within my price range? What is a way that I can control my costs or manage my costs? And I let them tell me and I let them lead. They're the expert in the food service. I don't try to sort of piece by piece manage all of the details of that because I know that they are just as interested and invested in delivering something of quality that people will talk about. So I lean on them. Same with AV partners. I lean on them to be the expert in the space. I hire experts. That's one. I don't hire an AV company that is like uh, used to only conference presentations if what I'm doing is a gala and I want an experience. But I'll lean on them to tell me what are the things I'm not thinking of? What needs to be included? Do we have everything we need? If I have a video I want to show and I have a speaker talking in the audience that I want to make sure we can capture and I have a panel discussion, do I have everything in place? So I lean on good partners and vendors to be that sort of let them lead and take the expertise. But the second thing that I do is I lean on a committee for the the stuff. So the things that you the just stuff. said, <laughs> the stuff, the things that you just said, like, you know, opportunity buy-ups and silent auctions and raffles. A lot of those things have benefit and a lot of those things are time consuming, very for sure. Yeah. So I'm always looking to how do I make sure with any development director having to wear 20 hats, how do I make sure that the hat that they're wearing is the hat that's going to have the biggest results? That hat is sponsorship solicitation, major donors, table sales. Wait, sponsorship, sponsor, wait, let's just sponsorship or sponsorships. Table sales and what was, and And then major donors getting major donors. Okay. Got it. Got it. Getting those big gifts pre-committed. That is a huge resource for you. So let's say, for example, we're going into our paddle raise and we know we want to start at the $10,000 level. Well, do you have a $10,000 donor committed? Do you have a paddle, you know, is going, is going to go up. That's where your time and energy can have the biggest result. It's getting people in the room and then getting those early commitments that allow you to know you have some of the big gifts that are going to create momentum and really show up in a big way for you at your event. So I always recommend it a minimum. You have your first three gifts committed, not, mm. not fake money, not, right. not, not a, yeah. yeah, not a like shill that's raising their right. paddle just to raise their paddle, but a free committed gift that is a donor you've had a conversation with in advance that is raising that paddle to keep the momentum and the energy going, show your audience and demonstrate for your audience. This is an organization that is supported, that people trust, that people are jumping in with big gifts right from the top. It creates almost an immediate distrust. If you have an ask for $10,000 and no paddles go up, Yeah. ask for 5,000 and no paddles go up. And suddenly those folks who might have given pull back because they're not sure why no one's giving. Mm-hmm. So having your energy go toward getting people in the room, 
corporate table, uh, corporate tables and, and major donor tables, and then having some pre-committed gifts lined up. So you have your energy in to your appeal and your story. Those are the four things that a development director's time and energy is going to be the biggest impact. But a committee, a committee can help you with procurement. A committee can help you with data management. A committee can help you with decor and experience of like fun, the party. Um, That is where I rely on a committee for resource. I think that committees um, bring a lot to the table of their own relationships. And that's really how I try to leverage a committee. I might identify we have one person that is leading a handful of folks in procurement, and we have one person that is leading the decor and the experience. And I let them run. Here's your budget, or here's the determined need. We need 20 get, you know, 20 pre-commits, or we need 20 auction items. That way you have support systems that are supporting the overall goal. But give people that goal and let them run. That's the to me, the best use of a committee. I think that committees will frequently get into the weeds of, you know, I want to make sure we're serving this thing, or I want to make sure our napkin color is this thing. But if it doesn't fit into the budget or fit into the overall strategy, having one committee member who owns that budget and that responsibility is a really easy way to manage that. And then they can be in the weeds together and navigate all the possibility together coming up with a solution that is focused on the budget and the outcome. So I always identify a lead on procurement and a lead on the details and logistics, and then give them the budget goal and let them run with it. I think we just lost your sound for a second, did we? Or is it mine or yours? Oh, wait, you're back. I'm back. I think it was on mine. Well, I'm just... I think I whacked my microphone because I'm just Uh-oh. like so excited about about what you're saying because you're really making your team hyper focused on their their task, eliminating distractions. And I love the goals. I love the you know twenty auction items or you know th- th- this is your budget. And so it's really becomes a little bit more black and white. Well, you know what the budget is dry. So no, we can't have custom in, you know, custom engraved cocktail napkins. And that doesn't right. really add to the experience anyway, or make Although any a more committee, memorable. A committee member with the right connection might be able to make that happen. So well, there you go. If yeah. you give them the budget, they get really creative with solutions, which is yeah. Dream. Yeah. Wow. You're really just empowering everybody. Um, well, now I want to shift a little bit though. What events in my mind, I I hate talking about COVID and all of that stuff, but you know, we really do need to talk about it because I don't, I still don't think we're out of it. I don't know that we ever will. I think our minds are forever changed about how we gather. Yeah. Um, But I do believe some silver linings came from all of that experience. Mm -hmm. And the silver lining in my mind is that there is now flexibility to, to your point, 
galas don't all look the same anymore. They're no longer cookie cutter. They right. are all over the place, virtual, hybrid, in back in person. You know, I feel like every week it's another, oh, we're going hybrid, 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 hybrid. Oh no, back in person, in person, in person. You know, I feel like, you know, every week it changes. So what are you seeing? What is out there as far as the differences now and maybe forever will be with with galas, because I do think in a way that that is the silver lining, that they're no longer cookie cutter. There's Agreed. people are gathering in many, many, many different ways. And there's a shared purpose um, to further a mission. That's all good stuff, but it's the flexibility and, and the equity and inclusion and all, a lot of good things are coming out. What are you seeing? And that's working now. Well, pre-COVID, I think that we had a single model for signature events, that big dollar gala, right? Um, Lots of other models for lots of other types of events, but we had this single model of seated dinner, long program, um, big party, sort of very dominant culture style fundraising, meaning there wasn't a lot of flexibility in there and in that model for a lot of people to explore other options. And then a COVID hit and we all went to virtual. And in that, the opportunity I think that came up was that it was the first time organizations were actually able to remove the limitations that a ballroom creates, right? So no longer were we in a single city. So if you were a statewide organization or national organization, there was reach. Um, We were no longer restricted by headcount. We didn't have to limit ourselves to 300 people because that's what could fit in the ballroom. We could invite everyone into virtual. And then in addition to that, we were able to keep the program just on the story and the fundraising because there wasn't the party element in the virtual. We weren't cocktailing it up and socializing. And so we were able to focus on how are we moving people to stay connected to our mission with a great story and then raising money. Unfortunately, though, there's a sterileness of that, right? We're watching through TV. We're interacting with a screen. We don't have relationship to each other. We're not connecting to each other. That heartbeat that you talked about is not contagious at that point. It's not. And so the return to in-person was a big rush back to in-person for great cause. Being back together means that people are feel more connected. They're in community again and out of crisis, which I think that state of being in crisis worked really well for the virtual because there was this sense of, I want to keep supporting the causes that matter to me. How do I do that? Here's a way I can do that. But then I think that limited us again. We went right back into a limited, we can only fit 300 people in this ballroom and we are, can only be in this one city instead of statewide. So hybrid became the solution for how can we take the tools we learned, adopt them and apply them. Now that we've all had a little hybrid experience under our belt in the event it's world. It's not easy. It's, it's not easy. Not, it's not, although it's affordable. And that's the thing that I'll, I'll give to the listeners is one simple tool to implicate or to impact a hybrid event is have a live streaming partner. And it's typically... to have a live streaming partner. The simplest way to have a hybrid event is just broadcast your stage, broadcast your program. Don't broadcast the party. Don't broadcast the dancing. Just broadcast your program. Think of it like the Golden Globes or the Academy Awards, where we tune in to watch the program from the stage. 
We're not, oh, it, interesting. you know, yeah. we're not on the red carpet with everyone. Although sometimes we like to gawk and watch that. We're not at the after parties with everyone, although we like to flip through the magazines and see what everyone was wearing, but we're broadcasting what's on the stage. That's what a hybrid event can be for you is find a live stream partner that can do a really beautiful job of broadcasting your stage program. But the new thing that we're seeing is people now have had a breath of we're no longer building it while we're flying it. And now Mm -hmm. we can actually make choices based on what our needs are and what our donors need. So a lot of organizations are starting to segment just like you would segment your mailing list or segment your end of year appeal. A lot of donors are starting to segment their event. So the other shift that happened. We have a lot of technology that's new, including all of the amazing changes you all have made. We love all of the changes that have been really focused on what the user experience is. For sure. But that opportunity for us to use new technology and in addition to that, costs have gone up for events. Really like catering is big. Through the roof. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Supply and demand and supply chains have changed. And all of a sudden, like I used to be able to call a rental company and ask for purple napkins and a 20 by 20 tent. And now it's like, oh yeah, we, we don't have any in stock right now because we haven't been able to replace goods because of supply chain issues. Or if you want it, it's at a premium because everybody wants it and there's not enough. And yeah. So I think the shift that we're seeing is People are starting to actually downsize some of their major donor fundraising in person because of the costs and look at who are the like critical key folks we need in the room and then are using hybrid to broadcast it out. So bringing together your top 150, 250 donors and then broadcasting out that content to reach your bigger network is a common solution. The other thing we're seeing is segmented virtual or broadcast events that are intended specifically for your reach. So we have one organization that's international. They work in across the North Americas and they have one virtual event that they do every year that is to just reach everyone. And they have 1200 people that log in from three different countries that is not possible in a ballroom. But then they also have a nice, small, focused 200-person gala event that is for their major donors that are hubbed around their their national headquarters. So I think that that's the shift that we're seeing now is people are getting really strategic about what's possible, how we utilize these new tools and technologies, and then how we also plan for something that isn't quite as expensive as a 1,000 people in a ballroom. An Mm -hmm. event of that size these days is really costly. Yeah. So hybrid becomes a much cheaper option. Yeah. But isn't it like like almost planning two different events? I think some of the fear is how do you motivate, keep the energy with two different audiences, one that's in the room and one that's anywhere. And and how, how, how do you do that? And it's, it's like planning two different events and seems like daunting. I, I try to plan them as one because in my mind, nonprofits don't have enough time. And so if you're putting the time and energy into planning an event, it should maximize in all possible ways. But I lean heavily on 
a fundraising host. Uh, you know, we used to engage auctioneers all the time to do our live auctions. And now it's so much more because it is someone who is comfortable or the auctioneer community very quickly adapted to this environment, but it's someone who's comfortable talking to both audiences and knowing that there's two audiences. So hmm. what we build into our programs is a little recognition at the very beginning of the event when we're welcoming guests, we build a recognition that both audiences are there so that both audiences are in the know. So to our you know, ballroom audience, we get on stage and say, friends, we are about to begin and we are broadcasting out to the world. And so when we turn on those cameras, we want to have a big cheer. Let's count in. We're going live in five four, three, two, and the room starts cheering. And when the camera comes on, you have that connection already because the, it's clear that there's an audience there and the audience in the room knows that there's viewers at home. And then in our welcome, we always have our MC address both audiences. So the audience, they'll say, we're so glad to be back in person. And to those of you tuning in at home, welcome. We're so glad you're here. And we have like the Grammys, just like the Grammys. I'm not sitting in the room in the Grammys, but I feel that energy when I'm exactly. And we have them look right at the camera, right? That there's a moment that they're looking out to the room and a moment that they're looking right at the camera. And then the program from there can really transpire seamlessly from the stage, talking out to the audience with the one addition of technology that our fundraising host has the ability now to be able to look at who's giving at home and who's giving in the room. Mm-hmm. Now, here's the here's the challenge or the gap is that there is a time delay for your viewers at home. And so if we have folks giving at home, we always have them either using a donate button or a text to give. We want to consider that they might be watching with friends and they might not be sitting at a laptop. So we always give them that option of a text to give. We broadcast it across the bottom of the screen. We call it out as the giving is starting. Friends in the room, get those paddles ready for fundraising. And those of you at home, click that donate button or use the text to give code below and join us in the giving. But now we have a, a delay. There's about a one minute time delay before your audience at home receives it and another couple minutes before you start to see their gifts come in. So our fundraising host is the one responsible for recognizing paddles in the room first, because that's how you keep the energy going. You get those paddles that raise, you get lots of cheers, you get lots of applause, and then turning and saying, we have folks giving at home and recognizing those gifts at home. We always give our an iPad to our hosts so that they can see those gifts coming in and they'll shout out names. Look at this, we have Dawn giving at home. Thank you, Dawn, for tuning in. And then going right back to our next giving level paddles, and then let's do some recognition at home so that it ties everyone together. And it allows people at home to actually feel like they're a part of it because there is this, like, I want to be seen. So I want, I want my name on the screen. I want to be called out. So people give often so that they can be recognized as a part of the giving happening that night. It's almost even more exciting to know that if an event is taking place, miles and miles and miles away from me, but I donate yet. I still can see my name on a screen or, or the host is going to mention my name. There's almost something magical and even more exciting about that than being in the room. Not that being, there's anything wrong with being in the room, but um, yeah. Oh my gosh. I I get it. Oh my God, Samantha, we could listen to you all day. I wish this podcast was three hours long. Um, 
I, so I think the other thing that I'm hearing is technology is kind of important in, in the new world of, you know, to, to just change these giving experiences, the giving landscape changed, um, the event landscape changed, the technology landscape has to keep up to, in order to make these, these, you know, changes come to life and, and realize, um, your full potential. And I, um, I appreciate, you know, you saying that as one cause we want to hear that for sure. And I might add that you might see something soon with, you know, text to give. So I'm glad you're using that feature. Um, stay close to us for some uh-huh. announcements coming up. I, I just slipped that and I know I'm going to get in trouble for that, but it's out there. So um, all good stuff. You know, I want to, we only have a few minutes left and I, I think it, um, you've been just such a wealth of information. I'm literally sitting on the edge of my seat, but I do want to talk about your team and give them some shout outs, <laughs> just like how, how, how much, who makes up your team and who do you want to shout out and what are they all doing? you like right now it's Friday and in the middle of event season and they work, I'm sure really hard. I remember um, being in business with my husband and, you know, we did well, but we used to always joke if we ever divided it out by the hours we actually put in and worked, we probably weren't doing as well as we thought we were doing, but I know your team works really, really hard around the clock. So let's just give them some love and who do we want to shout out. Absolutely. Well, we have a team of 10 and we partner with our nonprofit organizations by providing our nonprofits with four resources. So we have a data resource on every project that understands the platform and the technology tools and how to navigate through one cause and help our organizations feel connected um, to the tools and understand what's possible. We always have a storyteller on their team so that they can really build story into their marketing and into their scripting. And then we have a strategist that is focused purely on the fundraising. How are we going to get to those goals? How do we make these asks? What are the tools that you need? And then we also have our event producer that is in the weeds, that is working with all the vendors and all the committee members and really helping to make sure that the guest experience is centered in what we're doing. So um, I know the folks on our team that you know are our data team experts, and they're the magicians behind the scenes because they're the ones that are intimately understanding how all the platform tools can really help a nonprofit be, you know, successful. And so, you know, when one cause launched with new tools, we immediately were like, okay, we need to learn and understand all of the ins and outs so we can make sure that we're maximizing our our experience for our clients. So uh, Melly Bea and April and Mary on our team are our three data experts. And um, that to me is how we can take some lift for the organizations and really help them focus on relationship. We can take on all the other pieces. So wow. um, I'm incredibly proud of the work that our team does. It is always sure. driven by how we can create more ease because nonprofits are creating the impact And we want to make sure that we're there to be a megaphone. How do we get their message out and create impact? And that's to sort of lift some of the work off the the plate. (laughs) Wow. I did. I didn't realize that you delivered the four resources to 
each of your um each of your clients that's that's incredible and and those are the resources that really make sense you know we 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 are out of time and i feel horrible but i know we're going to be having you back for some of our webinars and our panels and we're just really excited to learn from you and and everything that you do and i want to thank you for sharing all of your wealth of information but with with us and with raise nation audiences but how do we get in touch with you? So swamestrategies.com, right? That's the website. We'll drop all of this in the show yes. notes, but um, website is the best or LinkedIn. Where can we find you? Both. Go to our website Both. for tons of resources and tools or reach out through any communication channel that is on that website. LinkedIn is a great one. Do you have like a threshold that, you know, you're not, I'm like nervous that you don't, you're not accepting new clients. If somebody called you right now, do you have room for them? Always. We offer lots of different ways to engage us so that there are some time limits and limitations of some of our bigger services, but we have lots of just like, I mean, someone can just book an hour with me if that's an easy, like we need a thought partner to brainstorm with. So there's always ways to get resources. an hour. Yeah. Hour with Samantha Swain. Oh, that's interesting. Well, it is worth the investment for sure. What we just got in this little conversation that we're having is so special. So uh, yeah, Raise Nation, book an hour with Samantha Swain. Book an hour. Um, yeah, book an hour. So, so much fun. Um, but I want to wish you the best of luck this event season. Um, just thank you for being such a trailblazer and helping so many missions just move forward. You're such an integral part of their growth and helping them continue to do what they're doing, which is building better tomorrows for all yeah. of us. So really so much gratitude to, for you just to being the leader in this space that you are, Samantha. It's amazing. Thank you, Don. I appreciate the opportunity to be here. Yeah, so fun. Vents are so much fun. So uh, fearless fundraisers, I do wish we had time, but um, that is all the time we have for today. So um, you can reach Samantha Swaim on her website, swaimstrategies.com. Look for the show notes. I'll give you all those details that you need to have. Um, thank you so much for listening in. We do hope you enjoyed today's Raise Nation topic and your daily dose of fundraising inspiration. Now you're going to tune in every Thursday for the new episodes. That's Thursday, 1230 p.m. Eastern time. We always drop a new episode. Um, but in the meantime, while you're waiting in between Every Thursday, listen to all the episodes on Raise Nation Radio. You can follow any channel. We stream on about 10 different channels, and that way you'll get notifications about our new guests. Um, if you're in fundraiser, please contact me. We would love to have your story. Uh, we have thought leaders as well as nonprofits on Raise Nation Radio. We love casting some shine on missions, and we would love to have you as a guest on the show. I would like to thank our sponsor, One Cause, for making this show possible. One Cause is driving the future of fundraising. With easy to use software solutions that help nonprofits connect with donors. Check it out at onecause.com and visit the resource tab on the homepage for a broad catalog of eBooks and blogs and vlogs and webinars with Samantha Swain that you'll find very helpful. A huge shout out and thanks to my guest, Samantha Swaim of Swaim Strategies for sharing a very expert and authentic voice and a fresh voice about signature events and fundraising. Samantha, thank you so much. I know it's the middle of event season, but you took time out to talk with our audience. I do have one more question for you. Any last words of inspiration? Be curious. Talk to your donors. Ask them why they're engaged. They'll tell you what means the most to them.
And then you can guide your strategy from there and absolutely maybe not worry about things you shouldn't be worried about. I love that advice. Well, we'll let you get back to your your team and the busy fundraising season. We're going to catch you real soon at a couple webinars coming up. And uh, you heard it from Samantha Swain. Stay curious. So fearless fundraisers, that's a wrap. Until next time, I'm Don Lego. This is Raise Nation Radio. You stay fearless out there. 